Hi everyone, my name is Callie. And I'm Grant. Welcome back to our podcast, Big World. Small Bites. This week we're talking about consumerism and the holidays. The waste, emissions, and complications that arise from the actions we take. Some even measured in Christmas pudding. We'll introduce you to some more sustainable steps you can take this holiday season as sales and wrapping paper abound. And touch on the ever-complicated real versus fake tree debate. We hope you're hungry, because we're going to be breaking down this big world into some small bites. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in to another episode today. Uh, Today we're going to be talking a little bit about the holidays, everything from Black Friday to Christmas, if you're celebrating, and a little bit of the, the climate implications of both. So to get us started here, Callie, you ready for me to to kind of make Christmas sad a little bit? My mom did that when she told me Santa wasn't real. Twenty <laughs> percent of all food in the EU is not eaten. It doesn't see a human stomach; it just gets thrown out. And that's especially true at Christmas, where we have very big portion sizes. It may seem like the most wonderful time of the year. But our annual festivities have some shocking environmental consequences. We throw away the most rubbish, including 2 million turkeys and 6 million Christmas trees every year. So is it possible to have a green Christmas and where do you start? I do have some kind of sad facts about the holidays for you. And the first one comes from the Stockholm Environmental Institute. And it's this 2007, so a little dated, but it's an article called The Carbon Cost of Christmas. And in this, they talk about essentially the carbon emissions that result from the holidays, and they find that our total carbon emissions for an average person during the holidays could be as much as 650 kilograms of carbon dioxide emissions per person. And I love how they do this. They measure it in Christmas puddings, and they say that that is the equivalent of, guess guess how many Christmas puddings? Um, like 6,000. I'm not good at numbers. I want to say that. You're not good at Christmas puddings. Okay. No, it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird number. It's a thousand Christmas puddings. Oh, okay. And they say that that's 5.5% of our total annual carbon footprint. Wow. Uh, so because this is a 2007 article, I, I checked that to today's emissions, which are about to- total for the year, are about 13,600 kilograms. But either way, that ends up being about 4.75% of our total emissions. Wow. So pretty similar. But the good news is we can save some Christmas puddings of emissions here. So they claim that there are a number of things we can do to reduce our Christmas pudding emissions up to about 60% or around 250 kilograms. Um, So some of the interesting things that I'm sure you'll touch on and we'll touch on later are the things that you eat during the holidays and some really like kind of odd things such as cards, like Christmas wrapping cards or holiday wrapping cards. Mm. But first, I'm going to ask a couple more questions and make the holidays a little sadder. Awesome. So, how much more do you think Americans throw away from Thanksgiving to New Year's holiday than any other time of the year? So, what percent more do we throw away between that period? 60%. That's a high. That, that's fair. It's, it's 25%. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was being so cynical about that. Which makes it a little better, I guess, in some ways. You know, it's still a quarter, but it's not, right. like, it's not doubling it. Oh, my gosh. But, but it gets a little bit more crazy here. So, it starts out, this is an article, a little article by Stanford. Uh, for this, but they said that if every family reused, this is getting into some of the waste, 25, if every family just reused two feet of holiday ribbon, okay, we could save 38,000 miles of ribbon, and you could tie a bow tie around the entire planet. Oh. Yeah, it gets even more crazy. So what do you think would happen if every American wrapped just three presents in reused materials, how much paper do you think we would save? 
on like a lot of paper. Enough to cover, <laughs> and I quote, 45,000 football fields. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. And on the football field reference, back to Christmas cards, the 2.65 billion Christmas cards sold each year in the U.S. could fill a football field 10 stories high. Oh my gosh. It's insane the amount of waste. And I mean, I'm sure everybody has seen like uh, the Christmas cards that they sell. They're always like these really cheap cards. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you just give them out. You never think about them again. But they found that if we each sent just one card less, we'd save 50,000 cubic yards of paper. Oh my gosh. And I know my mom is listening to this having just printed out and sent all of our Christmas cards. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Carol. Have you ever done those like online Christmas cards? Oh, that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Even worse, all the, the shipping and the, the printing. Yeah. They're cringy, but hey, good for the planet, though. Good for the planet. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of the holidays, again, so we've talked a little bit about just how much waste there are in Christmas puddings overall. A little bit from just wrapping paper and cards. But now I want to get to kind of this big topic, a real big debate that I've heard happen in recent years. So if you get a Christmas tree, you're one of those families that gets a holiday tree, a Christmas tree. I'm sure you've had people debate what's better, the real tree or the fake tree. What do you think? So I know I, I think a, a real tree is better because it grows and it contributes like oxygen and it takes in carbon. And this is a really sensitive topic to me because I'm extremely allergic to Christmas trees. Oh, really? So if I want a Christmas tree, I have to have a fake one. So every year we haul it out and I put it up and I feel really guilty about it, yeah. but I would die in a house with a real Christmas tree. Well, so. I, I might have some actual decent news for you then. Oh my gosh, no way. Yeah, so there's this, CNN has this little article just came out like two or three days ago and it's on Christmas trees. And they bring in a couple Christmas tree experts, yeah, right? Are people who study the emissions. Exactly. <laughs> um, and really, the, the takeaway from this is it's kind of interesting. It's definitely, the quote I'm reading is, it's definitely a lot more nuanced and complex than you think. And so there's, there's this Andy Finton. Uh, he's the conservation director and forest ecologist for the Nature Conservancy in Massachusetts. And so he kind of gives a breakdown, and CNN gives a breakdown here. And they find a couple different conflicting studies. So some studies say it only takes about six years to kind of have that payback, buyback period mm. for an artificial tree. Realistically, it's probably longer than that. But what they did find, though, is that if artificial trees are only used for a couple years, right, they're made from plastic, that's obviously made from, from fossil fuels, they're transported from far places like China, uh, so there's a lot, of, a lot of emissions. But if you use it for on the upwards of 20 years, which is a long time, but if you did, in some ways it's almost equal to a real tree. Um, but looking at real trees then, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. So while real trees can capture carbon as you're growing them, when they're cut, some of that's obviously released. Right. Uh, the argument some farmers make is that they plant new seeds and new seeds grow, but disposal matters a lot. So when it comes to a real Christmas tree, most people just throw them away or put them in a landfill. Right. And it's really damaging to the planet. And so some possible solutions, if you are a real tree individual, is uh, it depends on where you live but in new york city for example one solution they found is you could actually leave your tree on the curb during a certain time frame and they'll be picked up to be recycled or composted and i thought this was really cool the the city sanitation department has this initiative called mulch fest where residents can bring their trees to be chipped for mulch and then they, they just become mulch to, to use 
Wow. So the, the takeaway really is if you're going to have an artificial tree, use it for a while. And if you're going to go for the real tree, check in with where you live, maybe ask some local representatives to, to bring this up. But there are ways to compost or, or use your trees. Yeah, and like it, it feels like a distant memory now, but it, with Halloween, we were talking about pumpkins. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing, just throwing them in the trash does a lot of damage, even though they were real things that grew and lived around your house. So I think that thinking through the life cycle of anything mm-hmm. you buy is really important, but I think especially with living things, we think it's a little bit more simple than it actually is. Yeah, it's hard to break down in a, in a plastic bag. Yeah. So. But uh, now that I've kind of talked about how much we wrap around the planet in trash, the the complexities between Christmas trees, what do you have for us? Yeah, well, so I'm thinking about solutions, right? And I think a lot of us, in terms of solutions, think about buying more sustainable products, Mm -hmm. which is a very, very valuable thing to do. But I think there's also some things we have to think about there. This Mm -hmm. is just like the nuance episode. Um, (laughs) because it is awesome to go out and buy things like reusable straws, reusable water bottles, um, maybe, you know, some kind of plastic free soap or something. But what's interesting is that there are, of course, drawbacks to everything. Um, there was a study that explored the relationship between environmentalism and consumerism under a market economy. And they found that Consumerism and capitalism are are very interconnected to each other. So in order for capitalism to work, we need continuous growth of creation and production Mm -hmm. in order for it to be stable. So production is dependent on consumption, Mm -hmm. which I guess is good news. If, you know, we are choosing to consume less, they would need to produce less to meet demand. But that's a really difficult, large-scale shift that we would need to make, and that's not very... Not a very good economic incentive for companies. Yeah. So this kind of goes into this other part of the article that talked about, can a company be environmentally friendly in a capitalist society? And they found yes, but it does depend on what your product is, what the cost imperatives are. Because for some con- for some companies, it's really hard because the price point is they're not going to make money off of it. Mm. Or they're not going to make as much money as they could. So... It's very costly to have an eco-friendly way of producing things, and the products are often very expensive. So there's a kind of a trade-off for companies to even choose to be more environmentally friendly. I mean, I think most times you find an alternative, it's quite expensive, and they often do pay off, but not everyone has the ability to pay that upfront cost for something to pay off in the long run like that. So what they do know is that going to a locally-based company Um, might be better because, you know, it doesn't have to travel as far. You're supporting local people, and there's just kind of less steps in that process. Um, And I think what this really does go to is the idea of consumerism and how much that takes over Um, because the idea in consumerism is that people's material possessions reflect their actual individual lived history and idea of their identity of, of themselves. And so I think that goes into the idea about how I think consumerism really cuts against environmental ideas. Um, I mean, I don't know, are you are you a retail therapy person? Do you go out and buy stuff when you're sad, Grant? Ooh, um, does food count as, uh, as, as going out and buying things? That's a good question. I, I don't definitely, know. I definitely buy food. Um, but how do you think 
looking looking at some of this that greenwashing plays a role where some companies try to act like they're putting in the extra step to make something that's eco-friendly and, and maybe you come across this and you're like oh i finally found this right. really cheap eco-friendly product and then you google the company and it is just the most sketchy website a an exxon mobile growing right. algae oil type <laughs> type scenario yeah i think I think what's hard about that is that it's really easy for companies to do that because mm -hmm. there's no regulation saying you can't slap a label that says green on it. Yeah. And most people don't know that just because something says green or like eco-friendly, those are not official markers of sustainability. Yeah. That's something you should look for if you're looking to shop it's more sustainably. Things like Certified B Corporation or the Rainforest Alliance actual organizations that are doing the work to make sure these companies are being held accountable um, because that happens a lot. Yeah. And I think something we talk about too in some of our environmental classes that you might think of are just the ideas of like consumerism and your soul, right? Yeah, <laughs> the idea yeah. about the just that we if you're not spending time out in nature, you're like you're kind of consumed in this immediate gratification cycle. Yeah. And you can't you can't slow down. Do you do you see that a lot? Do, are you, do you feel like you're involved in that at all? Oh yeah, I mean, I think even when we open certain types of social media, every single ad I get is for a product. Mm -hmm. You know, and and they know how to target me. They yeah, know, they know how to target what what I what I want to see. Um, I think another really interesting aspect of this to get back to the kind of the the fake Christmas tree mm -hmm. is that. No matter what you buy, if you end up getting something that maybe isn't the most eco-friendly, I think that the biggest part, more than even recycling in some aspects, is just the, the reusing of an item. Yeah. Uh, I think, and it's very easy to fall into this trap where you buy a reusable straw or a cup from Starbucks, and then you buy another one because it looks cool, and then another one and another one. But yeah, I, that's not sustainable. Exactly. I think it comes to, it takes a, a second to step back and think about it to realize that more emissions went into probably making that reusable plastic cup than the single-use one. And so it takes a lot of uses of that, that reusable cup to make up for, uh, to equal out with that single-use cup, in which case, you know, after that point, it becomes kind of an offset to, to future single-use cups or straws. Yeah, exactly. Straws are a big one. They take so much to make, and then when you buy so many of them, it takes a lot of uses to mm. really to, to make that sustainable. And I think that goes into the idea of it being a lifestyle change. Yeah. Um, so I've been looking into slow living a lot, which is, I think, just a concept that I think is kind of getting, like, made into an aesthetic, which I can't decide if it's a good or a bad thing. Like, you'll see a lot of YouTube videos like slow living yeah. countryside Christmas morning or slow living summer. And they're all really nice and they're fun to watch. But I think they do have, like, a kernel of truth in them. And I found this article that suggested some ways that you could go about slow living. And I think these are all really small things mm -hmm. that I think are very doable. So I liked them. So a couple of them are trying to find who you are and what's important to you. And I think when we see ads, they know who we are. They know what we like. Mm -hmm. But I think we tie our identity a lot to the items we have. But trying to find who you are outside of your possessions is something that I think could help you prevent needing to continue to buy more things because I do that yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah, guilty, yeah. Yeah. Um, practice being present. That's something, too. We, we all feel so busy that I feel like if there's a sale or something, we want to buy stuff immediately. Um, but in the present moment, you might feel, okay, I actually don't need that item or I'm actually happy doing 
this thing as opposed to that and just leaving behind the busyness they say which I liked because I always feel like I'm running like there's always something to go do there's always something I have to accomplish but instead if we focus inward more and that also goes into going outside more Mm -hmm. um, we kind of get this different viewpoint on life we go in I think I think there's like a saying like you go outside to go inward like you go outside into nature you can see what's what's all there and then it, it can help you connect to yourself so I think that is a way we might be able to combat things I think with the holidays that's important too because I think sometimes we we love spending time with our families, but we're more excited about getting gifts. This is totally about myself. We, lo- we love getting presents and we same. love opening yeah. gifts. But what's special about the holidays is like sharing a meal with your family or seeing people you haven't seen in a long time, no matter what the holiday is. Yeah, and I think things oftentimes, especially around the holidays, seem very fast-paced. Mm-hmm. And while we need quick environmental action, I think in some regards, sustainability is kind of like an investment game, right? It takes yeah. a while to build up. Everyone does or should be doing what they can. You know, certain sustainable things that actually aren't greenwashed are actually sustainable are more expensive. Right. But I think a big part of it is just, you know, buying or affording what you can and trying to reuse it as long as you can mm-hmm. can make an impact. Uh, you know, saving up, n- not going as fast paced, you know. Yeah. It can take a little bit to get what you want or, or to make the right choice, assuming, you you know, it's within your means. Right. But it's definitely worth it if you can. Yeah, I agree. And I, I found this really awesome post on Instagram from at secondhand.sustainability. I'll link them Ooh. in the description. I really liked this post, and I actually asked them if we could use it, and they were kind enough to say yes. Um, but they had this really cool list about – they said we can't buy our way to a more sustainable world. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard because we love to buy things, and we tend to see, okay, well, I can just do an alternative and everything will get fixed. But it's not. So I like this list, and I think it covers a lot of what we've talked about in the episode. I think it's a good wrap-up to everything we've talked about. So one thing is actively choosing to consume less, seeking secondhand and existing resources to meet our needs. So that would be like continuing to use something for a long period of time or giving it to someone who you know will give it a second life. Um, Advocating for system change. So we've talked about how we're kind of trapped in this system where we just want more and more and more and talking to people about the fact that that's the life we live is definitely helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked a lot about voting in the past as well, um, making clear to your representatives that these are the types of things that matter to you, and also just already supporting businesses and organizations who are already putting in that work. So if you do find a great organization or a great business that is truly doing what they say they're doing, then share them, tell your friends about it, actually then choose to invest in those instead of just kind of buying everything in sight, which is so easy to do. I'm saying this as someone who does that constantly. I want to make that clear. And their ads are so, are so, so effective. They're they're very effective this season. But I I think there are some companies that are really trying to put in the work. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, they're pretty big at this point, but Patagonia always lists their emissions. Always. They're kind of expensive in some regards, but they do have that secondhand type store where you can buy things. They do. And they also have things where if your product is needs fixing or like needs sewing or something is messed up in one of your products you can send it back to them and i believe they'll like patch up whenever it needs to be patched up and send it back to you so you can keep using it and they're pretty open with emissions Mm -hmm. and 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 where things are sourced uh but yes some of the little things you can do sending a christmas card online or a holiday card instead of uh, in person reusing old bags and wrapping paper instead of putting it in new things yeah 
uh, a hard one. Feeling like a chef, maybe put on a, a vegan or vegetarian food item on the on the plate this holiday season, which can make a big impact. Yeah. And take some time to slow down. Yeah, I think that's the holiday season's always so busy, but I think yeah. it's about slowing down. And you can be a little more sustainable if you slow down too. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much. I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Enjoy the holiday season. Take some time to, to slow down, to hang out with your family, maybe take a walk outside. Remember that all your decisions have, a conse- have consequences. We're all trying to do our part. Uh, we hope you join us next time as we keep on cooking. So stay tuned. We'll be serving up a new episode soon. Thank you for all the support and get ready for some more small bites of this big world. <laughs>